When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. As our sister station here in Buffalo had tremendous publicity of David Bellavia being honored in the White House by President Trump in a couple weeks, we have another noted veteran on the program and author with us today on the Rust Report with ESPN AM 1520, blanketing 17 states and much of Canada. With us today is Maurice L. Nalon IV, better known as Chip, and I, he comes from a very distinguished family in Amherst, New York. I have known his, his uh, parents and all his relatives in Amherst, New York, very prominent family, and they do a lot for area charities. The book that is available at Amazon and Barnes and Noble is the new Ministry of Truth, Combat Advisors in Afghanistan and America's Great Betrayal. Little information about Maurice Chip Nalon. He grew up in Buffalo, New York. In 2005, he received an appointment to the U.S. Naval Academy, reporting to Annapolis that June. In 2009, he graduated from the Naval Academy and received a commission as a second lieutenant in the Marine Corps, where he'd go on to serve nine years as an infantry officer. Again, the book is The New Ministry of Truth, Combat Advisors in Afghanistan and America's Great Beyond. So first, let's learn a little bit about Chip Nalon, uh, your background, your family, and what you've done for our country. Chip Nalon. Thanks for having me on the show, Brian. I really appreciate it. You hit it. I grew up in Buffalo, and after Navy, I went on to serve nine years in the Marine Corps as an infantry officer. I actually wrapped up my service last summer, and have since moved to Richmond, where I've settled, living down here with my wife, actually uh, working as an accountant. So a little bit different than my time as an infantry officer, but I'm enjoying this next chapter of the life post-military service. Okay, and... Um... What about the uh, fulfillment and uh, rewards within yourself being in the military? Uh, is it a great uh, and deep sense of satisfaction? There is, and that's what's interesting. You can tell from the title of my book, it's it's fairly loaded. There's certainly some anger in there, which I'll talk more about. But it's a, an interesting dynamic, being both extremely proud of my service and more so proud of the guys I worked with, just an unbelievable community, all veterans, but uh, especially the post 9-11 Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom Vets, just an unbelievably incredible group and a group that I'm tremendously proud to have worked with. So yeah, on one hand, extremely proud of my service, but on the other hand, still frustrated to a level about the broader use of military force in, in the United States throughout the world. And and I don't quite see that as cognitive dissonance. Um, I think that you can hold those at the same time, both tremendous pride in what we do in the service while still kind of questioning uh, how we have, in fact, used that military force around the world. So that's where I find myself 
now to, to answer your question, yes, tremendous satisfaction for my time serving as a Marine, but with some lingering questions and frustration about some of the things that we were asked to do. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, are you talking about military overreach, that sometimes we go too far, perhaps, as the world's policemen being uh, the greatest military power in the world? Are we asked to do too much? Do we do too much? Or do we do too little? I think we have to look more at situations on a case-by-case basis. And to me, I fall into the camp of military force is an extension of policy. If policy fails and as an absolute last-ditch effort, this is something critical to our, our national objectives and the defense of the United States, then we need to use military force. My issue has become the mission creep of post-9-11, no longer any debate about what the political objectives are of our military force and whether our military force can support those objectives. Because committing troops into harm's way without some definition of how that military force is going to achieve some greater political objective is a tremendous disservice and betrayal of the service members asked to shoulder that burden, all the while not getting the justification from our decision makers in this country of what it is we as the military are supposed to accomplish. So to answer your question, no, not overreach per se, more on a case-by-case basis. I'm a firm believer that before we commit our sons and daughters, husbands, wives, harm's way, we need to have an open and frank discussion about what are the political objectives and can our commitment of military force achieve those objectives. If there's a disconnect there, there's a tremendous problem. You think our um, political leaders know what's going on or are they very poorly and ill-advised, our politicians in Washington? I think it's easy in our two-year electoral cycle to live kind of an out of sight, out of mind. So the combination of our quick news cycle, our quick quick electoral cycle, that with the all-volunteer force where most of America doesn't know somebody who is serving in harm's way or has served in harm's way. It's a very small portion of society. So I think it's more out of sight, out of mind, where it's, it's convenient to kind of keep it on the back burner. We're in combat in at least seven countries right now that we discuss openly, but it's easy to ignore that because it's a small percentage and it's not in the news cycle. Let's talk about your deployment at the center of your new book. Again, the book is by our guest, Maurice L. Nalon IV, Chip Nalon. The book is The New Ministry of Truth, Combat Advisors in Afghanistan and America's Great Betrayal. Let's talk about the deployment at the center of your new book, Chip Nalon. It was a pretty unique deployment that when most people think about deployments and what my first one was, it's an entire unit, a battalion, a company, some sort of organic military unit deploying somewhere. As a combat advisor, we're kind of like the redheaded stepchildren of the military, where rather than one organic unit doing something, 
they pull a bunch of guys from different jobs in different communities and throw them together into a small group. So for us, it was a small team of Marines, and we were sent over to the Republic of Georgia. Georgia's committed troops to supporting the NATO mission in Afghanistan for years, largely to do with um, kind of their threat to their neighbor to the north, the, the Russian bear. But because of that, every year a group of Marines will go over and embed and train with a battalion from the Republic of Georgia and then take those soldiers and deploy with them to Afghanistan as their embedded combat advisors. So what we did is after our three months in Georgia training and getting to know the battalion we'd be deploying with, we served with them in Afghanistan for seven months, serving their liaisons with the U.S. higher headquarters and just things that are amusing right now but extremely challenging at the time. They speak a different language. So we were the liaisons with people and just the, the English-speaking representatives uh, so we spent seven months with them in Afghanistan, advising, patrolling, operating with them, and, and working in our, our area of operations. Let me ask you this. Is there any hope in Afghanistan, and what really are we accomplishing there if we have such an anti-American resentment uh, from the natives of Afghanistan I mean, what are, really are we accomplishing? I think the goal of the war at the beginning was because there were radicals there involved with 9-11, but now bin Laden is dead. And, uh, I mean, what are we accomplishing today? First, I wouldn't say blanket there's anti-American sentiment. It just so happens that the people who don't want us there are also the one attacking us. So it's sort of sampling on the dependent variable where, sure, there's certainly rampant anti-Americanism amongst the Taliban and other fighters over there, but there's also tremendous support. Now, I'll caveat that with, to your point, and going back to my kind of conversation about political objectives before, there is no overarching objective. So that's one of my pet peeves is people often ask me, Hey, Chip, you served in the military. Do you think we can win in Afghanistan? Well, to win in anything, whether it's a, a game or combat, there has to be something that you're seeking to achieve. We have no overarching political objectives. Mm-hmm. So how can we win something if it's not defined what victory is? And that's a huge problem. And to your point, yes, we were told that we are going into Afghanistan to hold accountable the people who attacked the United States on September 11th. But then we didn't finish that at the time. We ceded control to some locals who didn't finish the job for us. And now we find ourselves there fighting with the Taliban that bad people, but they didn't attack the United States. Al-Qaeda did. And now we're just in the words of a retired four-star general, we're over there, but it's okay. Sometimes we just need to muddle along, which to me is insanity, how, how you can look husbands, wives, parents in the eye and say, hey, your loved one was killed overseas, but it's okay because he or she was muddling along. So we have no overarching political objective. 
So we can't achieve victory because there's no definition of what victory actually is. Well, it's well said. I, I was always a big supporter of the Iraqi war uh, because that's vital to our interests with oil and gas and, uh, you know, a totalitarian regime. But I often look at Afghanistan as a question mark after so many years of war, loss of life, and loss of limb. Our guest today is the author of the new Ministry of Truth, Combat Advisors in Afghanistan and America's Great Betrayal, Maurice L. Nalon IV. Chip, you can buy his books throughout the U.S. and Canada with Amazon or Barnes & Noble. A bright young man from a very fine family located in Amherst, New York. A little plug here. Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampol Legal is available in many Tops and Wegman stores. For home delivery, call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. And if you have thoughts or comments about our guest today, author Chip Nalon, the book, The New Ministry of Truth, Combat Advisors in Afghanistan and America's Betrayal, available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always read cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners as we have received letters as far away at the station from Scandinavia and New Zealand. A little bit more information about Chip Nalon. For his final deployment, Chip Nalon served as a combat advisor to a battalion from the Republic of Georgia. After three months of training with these soldiers in Georgia, he deployed to Afghanistan for seven months of combat operations embedded with them. His experiences and anger from this deployment led Chip to write his book, The New Ministry of Truth, Combat Advisors in Afghanistan and America's Great Betrayal, available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You're very open about the anger this deployment caused you. Tell us more about that anger and how it relates to the title of your book, Chip Nalon. Like I said, it's a loaded title. The New Ministry of Truth evokes a lot of Orwellian reference, which was the intent. But my frustration wasn't so much 1984-esque in terms of some grand conspiracy misleading and deceiving others. So much is my frustrations of us deceiving ourselves. We're nearly two decades into the war in Afghanistan, and we've yet to define clear objectives to be obtained by what we're doing. And all the while, the soldiers, the warfighters, the Marines, all those individuals, those U.S. service members put into harm's way, their ability to defend themselves is restricted at the same time. So this frustration about deceiving ourselves into thinking that moving forward we're going to change anything and this inertia, this grind, all the while, there's a tremendous human cost. So we are asked to go into harm's way without 
considering what the true human costs of that are, both for the service members downrange and for their families back home. And that's really my frustration, is that we deceive ourselves through this inertia of, well, we've been doing it for the past 18 years, we might as well continue doing it. It's a almost a sick joke of a sunk cost theory that something good is going to arise through this deception of ourselves, that we're going to have some positive outcome without even defining some clear objective that can be met with the use of military force. And, and that's that frustration. I, I mentioned earlier the idea that we have retired generals saying, hey, it's okay to sometimes just muddle along. It's tremendously frustrating me to think that that's how we're justifying the tremendous cost in American life is, okay, they're muddling along. So that's kind of the source of that anger and, and how it ties into the title of the book. And, and really, I think the betrayal comes down to the idea that our government has sanctioned the use of military force without any clear guidance on what that force is meant to achieve, all the while restricting our ability to defend ourselves when we're actually downrange in harm's way. And there's, there's tremendous anger that, that arises from that phenomenon and, and what the status quo is right now. Interesting. Do you think that perhaps the president made a mistake? We should have stayed with troops in Syria and pulled out of Afghanistan. Would that would have made more sense to you? Well, it needs to be looked at at a case-by-case basis. And and that's the problem is at least in Syria, we had a, a limited objective. We want to defeat ISIS in Syria. Now, the question with Syria becomes, are we going to have mission creep? What's beyond that? Are we going beyond the limited scope of our mission? Because if it becomes regime change, I think everyone can look over the past 18 years of our experience in Iraq and Afghanistan and say regime change just doesn't work. And you're often placed in a situation worse than when you began. So that's an interesting question is initially our party line, and I say it was fully bipartisan, of Assad has to go. Then we kind of looked at it and said, well, what happens next? So I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole with Syria here, but when it's tied back into Afghanistan, each commitment of force should be looked at through the lens of what is the political objective to be achieved here, and can it actually be achieved? And in terms of defeating ISIS, at least militarily, I think that's a limited objective that we've demonstrated in Syria can be achieved. But to stay there in perpetuity, to just continue to muddle along to quote what's going on in Afghanistan, then I think you get into questions. So uh, I can't give a blanket recommendation for this is where we should have our forces aligned. This is what we should do in the Middle East and throughout the world. I would only ask that our decision makers in Washington look at each situation independently and have very open and frank discussions and debates about what are our overarching political objectives and can our commitment of force that we're considering achieve those objectives. If it can't, we either need to rework those political objectives 
or define the political objectives. If that doesn't work, then sending troops into harm's way for no reason beyond sending them into harm's way, it just doesn't add up to me. Our guest is a, a fine author, Maurice L. Nalon IV, known as Chip. The book is The New Ministry of Truth, Combat Advisors in Afghanistan and America's Great Betrayal. Chip Nalon, the author, available at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. I'd like to thank those who called regarding our recent guest, Assemblyman Steve Hawley, about having New York City as a separate state, Mike Caputo, who was harassed tremendously with the Mueller investigation, Charlie Joyce, who today gave $450,000 to Catholic Charities, along with Noel Nikpour, who's on Fox four days a week, who were previous guests. Coming up, Congressman Tom Reed, all on the Rusk Report. Again, any thoughts or comments, please send them to Brian Rusk. Here the Rusk Report, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We greet letters from our Canadian and European listeners, too. After completing his time in the Marines, Chip Nalon and his wife Jenna moved to Richmond, Virginia, where he currently works as an accountant. A job he acknowledges is just about as far from the content of his book as he could possibly travel. Let's talk a little bit more about the disconnect between your political objectives and military means. Tell us about that. Chip Nalon, author of The New Ministry of Truth, Combat Advisors in Afghanistan and America's Great Betrayal. In our time in Afghanistan, a recurring question, not just to me, but to all the guys, was why? And that's really the disconnect is, why are we actually here? What do we seek to accomplish? And that's the source of that disconnect is it's a three-letter word, a short question, but the implications are enormous of just asking why. And that's the disconnect is it's as if nobody has looked at the situation and said, let's take a step back and ask, why are we in Afghanistan? What are we attempting to accomplish? And the follow-up to that is, okay, now that we've defined it, can the troops that are putting themselves in harm's way day in and day out in Afghanistan with the equipment, the resources, the permissions they've been given accomplish that objective? And that's where the disconnect is. It seems like no decision maker has had the courage to move forward and say, hey, let's take a step back and say, why are we doing this? And that's where the disconnect arises. There's no overarching political objective that can be achieved with the force commitment we have in Afghanistan. And as we continue to muddle along, we're slowly and surely going to have more Americans killed, more maimed. And for what? Why can't somebody just ask why? Why are we there? And that's really that disconnect, Brian, is, Nobody's asked why and defined that overarching political objective that can be achieved with the military means that we've committed. And that's that source of frustration for me. And I say for me, but um, I think I speak for a, a lot of vets with the, the anger, the seeming pointlessness of the, the human cost, the human toll that's paralleled this 
disconnect between political objectives and military force. Well, I think it's wonderful that you question things. You're not just, uh, you know, a carbon copy of what everybody else is saying, and you, you're a thinker, and uh, your analysis is very valuable. Again, the author today on the Rusk Report is Chip Nalon. The book is The New Ministry of Truth, Combat Advisors in Afghanistan and America's Great Beyond, available at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. What's the key message um, that you hope readers will take away from your book, Chip Nalon? Really two. The first is, I just, war has been so glamorized over the years. I just want to emphasize the human costs of war are enormous. So commitment of America's military force should not be made lightly. And then the second kind of caveat off that, we have an out of sight, out of mind context, and we're all guilty of America, but it's easy to forget that there are troops in harm's way all over the world. So I hope really those two things, if nothing else, readers take away from this, is that the human costs of war are enormous. So we should look very hard at any commitment of force, and that decision should not be made cavalierly. And then secondly, just a reminder that there are still troops in harm's way every single day, and not to forget that. Uh, we have a minute and a half left on the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. Um, did you always think about writing this book, or was this uh, just a newfound idea uh, for you and your wife? I didn't, actually. It it started in Afghanistan as, as journaling, just as a way to compartmentalize my frustration so I could focus on the task at hand, bringing our guys home alive. And I realized when I got home, I still had a lot of anger I was dealing with, and writing evolved out of that and the book was a, a byproduct but it was really the process of catharsis that was was the goal and the fact that it's published now is, is something i certainly hadn't anticipated happening but um I, i'm happy that the, the message is out there but for me selfishly it was a an undertaking of catharsis very good um are you getting a good response on the book yeah so far i am uh, wonderful any uh, closing thoughts for our listeners? Uh, I'd just say that in post-9-11 America, our society has been absolutely incredible in supporting the troops. The only thing I would add is that due to the enormous burden both these troops and their families have faced and continue to face in combat, help hold our government accountable. We always need to have a frank and open debate about the merits of the use of military force. Sending troops into harm's way should absolutely never be a rubber stamp. I'm sorry we have to bring the Rusk Report to a close. A very bright young man, Chip Nalon, author of the new Ministry of Truth, Combat Advisors in Afghanistan and America's Great Betrayal, available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Special thanks to Kevin Carr, Director of Production for 15 years, and thank you for enlightening us, author Chip Nalon. Have a great week. Thanks for having me, Brian.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.